When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Hello, good morning, and welcome along to the latest episode of Football Digest Daily from Reach Base. Uh, I'm Nick Keaton, uh, and I'm joined this morning by Mira and Aaron Stokes, uh, Assistant Online Editor for the Daily Star. Gentlemen, I uh, hope you're both well, trust you're both well. We've got plenty to crack through this morning. Uh, not least, one of the biggest games of the Premier League season to look forward to this weekend. It's one that always gets the kind of juices going, really, in recent years, isn't it? Liverpool against Manchester City. One of the games that has kind of really defined seasons previously. You know, you think about the last few years and the title race, it always has been almost Man City against Liverpool for it. This has always been such a crucial, crucial game uh, in it. And Freddie, I know I'm coming to you as a bias for you as a Liverpool fan, but... It really is one of those games that, that definitely in recent years, like kind of maybe you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't an exciting game that really got the juices flowing. But now you look at both squads, you look at both teams, you look at both what they're trying to achieve. This is one that really gets the juices flowing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. As you say, it's um, probably over the last few years been the highest quality fixture in the Premier League, which um, certainly wasn't the case a decade ago. Uh, but you think, um, well, as a Liverpool fan, you fondly remember the kind of run we had in 2018 where you get two Champions League wins, which were, you know, both phenomenal games. But then also remember the year before getting thrashed 5-0 and as all the games have been pretty close for um, since then, really. Obviously, you had um, kind of just shortly after New Year in 2019, you had a game that came right down to the wire and City went in 2-1 and obviously the title race came down to the wire as well. I think uh, in that game, it was like a goal just about over the line and um, that game, Liverpool scored probably one of the best goals of the Klopp era. I think Roberto Firmino's one. Um and then, uh, yeah, it's been uh, City have had the the edge in it recently. We were probably quite fortunate to take, snatch a, a one-all draw um, away from home last season. Uh, with I think it was Kevin De Bruyne missing a pen. And then, uh, yeah, four-one defeat in February this year, which was um, a day to forget for Alisson. Um, probably, you know, one of his one of his worst days in a Liverpool shirt. But it also came at a time of you know when the squad was in real disarray. Um, and I think we're in a much better place going into Sunday's game. Aaron, in terms of where the two teams sit going into this game, uh, Man City obviously come into this this game and this season as well as defending Premier League champions, lost in the Champions League final back in May. But it's Liverpool that really looked like they're almost in better shape going into this weekend's game, yet to be beaten in all competitions this season. Sitting pretty at the top of the Premier League. You look at Man City and they're, it's, it's this kind of same thing that we always talk about every week about how they're lacking a striker. They should have signed a striker in the summer. You know, We're, we're always reaching that same point when you're previewing it. But realistically, they are missing a striker, lacking a striker. They could probably do with one this weekend. So when you look at the two teams, Liverpool are probably going into this uh, in, in a better position than Man City. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm surprised this morning that I've looked and seen that Man City are actually favourites to win the game because I think, one, obviously the game being played at Anfield, I think people just forget <laughs> how good 
Liverpool are when Van Dijk is back. I mean, I remember at the start of the season when everyone was making their, you know, their league predictions, it was always our oh, well, you know, City are gonna win it or Chelsea are gonna win it. And so many people, myself included, you know, didn't really give Liverpool a shot of winning it. But I think when you look at just they are just a complete different beast with Van Dyke. Obviously Konate has came in and you know he's hit the ground running, Joe Gomez is coming back. Um, you know, a little concern this weekend is probably, you know, the Trent missing, but you know, James Milner, I mean, you know, marathon man, every time he comes in, he does a job. So, you know, I think for me, Liverpool should be favourites. As you say, with City, you know, the start of the season and Ferran Torres came in and everyone thought, well, you know, it was a genius master stuff from Pep that, you know, they didn't go and spend a hundred million on Harry Kane because he was going to come in and play like, you know, as the false nine. But, you know, now I, I think with Man City, I think Pep, you know, I don't think he knows his best eleven this season. You know, you've got the likes of Foden, De Bruyne, Sterling, Mores, Silva, Torres, Grealish. You know, I'm probably missing one or two there as well, all fighting for three or four spots. So I think, you know, for Pep, you know, it's so hard when you've got to rotate that, you know, that big group of players, you know, it's hard to get that, you know, that set eleven, you know, the momentum. So I think for me, yeah, Liverpool definitely going to it, you know, for favourites for me. Fred, Aaron uh, mentioned there about the fact that it's at Anfield and it did trigger something I completely left off the uh, the running order and I do feel bad for that. But in terms of atmospheres as well, you know, we've gone for 18 months without crowds in Premier League stadiums pretty much. I know we had, you know, limited crowds back in December and we had limited crowds at the end of last season, but there's going to be, you know, kind of close to approaching almost 60,000 inside Anfield on on Saturday, on Sunday, sorry. <laughs> I mean, if they're there on Saturday as well, they're, they're, they're really getting in the mood for it before. But um, yeah, definitely on Sunday, close to 60,000. And this is going to be a, a completely different atmosphere to what Man City players maybe have been used to in the last 18 months. I know they had a, a bit of a hostile atmosphere in Paris on on uh, on Wednesday night, but it's it's completely different, isn't it? In with really playing in Paris and in playing at Anfield, we know how Liverpool fans can can really get behind the team and and they could almost be the twelfth man this weekend for them. Absolutely, I, I don't think uh, you know. In 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 no case to Liverpool lose four one if if there's a full Anfield um, back in February. Uh, just it just doesn't happen, I don't think. And. Teams uh, obviously the, had a huge drop off in form uh, last season with the the home run getting um getting ended by Burnley and then I think it was uh, something like five games on the trot four or five games uh, losing it's just um, kind of capitulated without the fans there so that'll make a huge difference I'm also surprised here City are favourites going into this one but at the same time I think often we talk about the strength and depth Guardiola's got and if they, if he does get it right they're very hard to they're very hard to keep at bay so you're almost relying as as rivals in the Premier League title race on Guardiola getting it wrong every now and then especially in these big games where they we're already talking about this as a you know a potential title decider but also we we are all quite reactionary and you know Chelsea lose 1-0 last weekend and before that we all thought you know with Lukaku and and Tuchel you know, all firing on all cylinders. We all thought they were they were the ones that are going to take seize the initiative in the race. Um, so, whoever comes out on top with this one will probably be talking about as you know, 2021, 2022, you know, favourites. Um, but I think uh, the fans are going to make a huge difference. They're going to have a very big part to play. Uh, Liverpool are going to be out for revenge after what happened last time. But as I say, if City um, get it right on the day, I think uh, especially. On those wide areas, I think um, James Milner could have a pretty torrid time against you know the likes of Jack Grealish. And then on the other side, the defence, Andy Robertson hasn't been his usual self over the last couple of fixtures. There was actually some clamour for Costas Simicas, who started the season very well, to get the nod against um, Porto. 
But, you know, obviously five on win, you can't really say fairer than that. So we're com- definitely coming into it on some confidence. At the same time, City, as a kind of wounded animal, is quite dangerous as well. So uh, Guardiola will be out, out to get his own back after kind of getting stung by his his, uh, his best mate, Lionel Messi. <laughs> Indeed. Aaron, I was going to ask you about that. What Man City do you think we're going to get this weekend? You know, we you know, we go back to last weekend. They played so well against Chelsea, set up completely correctly, got the win that they wanted. And then you compare that to midweek against PSG and Realistically, they're strong to lay a glove on, you know, admittedly one of the best teams in Europe. But but you still expect Man City to probably put up more of a fight than they did in Paris. So this weekend, what what Man City side are we going to see? We're going to see last weekend, or we're going to see the one from midweek. Um, I think last weekend, as as Freddie said, you know, last weekend we all went in with thinking that you know Chelsea were going to win it, and as soon as they'd won it, that was them, you know, stamping their mark on the title and. I think, you know, as Freddie says, it's dangerous to write Pep off. You know, he's shown last week and time and time again that they can go away, you know, to fortresses and get results. So I think, you know, I was surprised by their defeat in midweek. I didn't think that they'd go down as easily as they did at PSG. I know they obviously didn't start very well. Um, but I think last week's just shown that you can never really write them off, even when they're away from home. Indeed. Um, in terms of both squads we've already touched on it already about in terms of the quality that they've got in it and you know probably two of the best sides not just in the Premier League but but in Europe as well but you look throughout them Freddie and you, you go through kind of where the battlegrounds are likely to be and for me I think I think the key battle on Sunday will be in midfield of course and I think it will be Kevin De Bruyne going up against Fabinho who can who can can De Bruyne find his way through can he get past Fabinho can he can he unlock the Liverpool defence was he further on from that or can Fabinho just stop him in his tracks uh, yeah, it's going to be really intriguing. I think uh, Fabinho had, like a lot of the Liverpool squad, had one of his rare off days against Brentford last weekend. Um, I think, yeah, even even Virgil van Dijk, who you can count on one hand the number of bad games he's had since he he joined, um, kind of they struggled to deal with Ivan Tony, who is you know absolutely sensational. Uh, De Bruyne could occupy a similar role if if Pep starts him as a kind of a false nine. Drifting between the lines, and that could you know, that could definitely cause some trouble if they're not they haven't recovered from that. Uh, but I also think probably in terms of like the main matchup is going to be whether Mohamed Salah can continue his unbelievable form against you know what's proven to be a really brilliant defense, and there hasn't been as much rotation in the defense as we've seen in Guardiola's team in in recent years. So I think they're benefiting from that. Kind of got the likes of João Cancelo in brilliant form, and we know how good Ruben Diaz is. Um, Laporte seems to have kind of taken that spot back from John Stones alongside him as well. So they might be benefiting from some stability there. So there's, yeah, there's some, going to be some, some really interesting matchups. And then we've already you know, kind of touched on who's going to start out wide for City because they're sure to play a really important role as well. Aaron, in terms of a prediction, if you were to go down the betting shop with £10 in your hand for this weekend, where, where do you see it kind of, what would you put your money on and where, how do you see it panning out almost? Um, I mean, I think, you know, you'd be a braver man than me if you're going to bet against Liverpool at home. You know, I, I mean, I saw a stat this week that Van Dijk hasn't lost a Premier League game at Anfield since he joined. So, I mean, as I've said before, they're just a completely different beast. And I mean, you know, as we've touched on, you know, we've seen two different cities this season. You know, the one the one against Chelsea last weekend is them at their best. And then, you know, they're still just vulnerable against the bigger team sometimes. So, yeah, if it was for me, I think I'll go for a Liverpool win, maybe 2-1. Freddie, there's no point even coming to you, is there? As the Liverpool fan, I think we know what the result is going to be. It's just a question of the scoreline. I, I like the idea of a, of a two-one, definitely. Um, I think 
yeah, I think it could go, could be like come, come down to one goal definitely. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be it's surely going to be tight. You can't see either of them running away with it at this point. Gentlemen, uh, that game is the last game of the weekend. There are plenty of other games to get our teeth into that do come before that game on Sunday. Uh, not least, uh, Man United at home to Everton, uh, the first game of the Premier League weekend uh, tomorrow afternoon, 12.30 kickoff. When we touched about Man City earlier, about you know what side's going to turn up and, and how are they going to perform and how are they going to play. I mean, Aaron, you look at Man United this season so far, When's the real Man United going to stand up? You know, do, 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 I mean, they're just so inconsistent throughout September. You look at the quality in that side, they should be, you know, I, I think I've defended them on this podcast in the past saying, oh, well, you know, it's a, it's a sign of a good team when you're playing badly and getting points. But sometime, at some point, Man United have to start playing well with the quality that they've got. Um, whether or not that's this weekend against Everton remains to be seen, but they've just been so inconsistent. Yeah, I mean, it's just a completely bipolar side this season. I mean, you look at it on the face of it and you think, you know, they've played six games in the league, they've won four of them, you know, they've only lost one, they've only conceded five goals, but you would think from the outside looking in that they had a good start, but some of the manner of the performances, I mean, you know, last week, if they had managed to get a draw at Villette, it would have been so unjust because they just didn't deserve it. So, you know... Even the fact they're at Old Trafford, even the fact they've got all the superstars, Ronaldo back, you know, you can't bank on them winning. Um, and I think, you know, Oli's got to make a choice. You know, the fans don't really want to see, you know, I see a lot of people saying they don't want to see McTominay and Fred next to each other. But I think in midweek, we probably saw why they do play because I thought against Villarreal when he played Pogba and McTominay, it just didn't work. So, you know, Fred, for all his, you know, he gets a lot of stick on on social media, I do sort of sometimes see the merit of him playing. Um, and I do understand why Ollie plays the system. Um, but you know, they need they need to get their, their big players firing. You know, Sancho's came in, hasn't hit the ground running, Greenwood has off days, you know, Ronaldo, you know, he can be absent for a game in 89 minutes and then pop up. So, you know, it's it's impossible to tell, you know, which night it's gonna turn up, unfortunately. It's a, a brilliant moment there for those guys that are, that are listening to this as a podcast and not watching it. Uh, Freddie there, as we're talking about Man United, just casually lifting up his Liverpool cup and showing it to the camera as he takes a cup of tea. So, so as punishment for that, Fred, you can you can preview Chelsea against Southampton for us. Uh, this is the kind of game that Chelsea really want, isn't it? You know, at, at this point, you know, they've lost to Man City last weekend. They, they lost in, in Europe in midweek against Juventus. So you look at Southampton side that have really struggled so far in the Premier League. I know they've got four draws, but they've not really, you know, most people would say that they're probably in for a season of struggle this year. So this this is the kind of game that Chelsea really wants to, to try and get back on that winning run, home to a struggling Southampton side. Um, and they really do need three points. Otherwise, then it's going to be a long two weeks on the international break. Yeah, and not just three points. If you're too shy, I think you want to see a um, a big response and quite a few goals scored because they've just looked so um, blunt in attack recently. I mean, they against City, obviously they were they were City dominated the possession, but even when they got forward, they hardly had a sniff on goal. Um, and then against Juventus, there were some wasteful moments. But you know, at this point of the season, before the international break, Chelsea are looking to definitely lay down a, a, a title marker. You know, and uh, they haven't looked like the team capable of that, despite Lukaku being back over the last couple of games. And I think we could see uh, we could see Tuchel, you know, freshen things up um, this time around. Um, they've missed Mason Mount definitely, 
but also he doesn't seem to know how to fit all the all these players in. You know, Ziyech was off the pace in midweek, but then you look at the likes of um, you know Havertz, Werner, Mount, and it's just a question of how you fit them in. I think the midfield has been lacking some creativity recently. I'm not quite sure about the trio, Jorginho, Kante and Kovacic. I think that's a, a little bit too conservative sometimes. And I think perhaps over the last few games, the mood's changed a bit with people thinking, you know, we're, when we're playing, when we're playing teams, we, you know, we can go and win the Champions League playing like that sometimes. But in the Premier League, you sometimes need to be a bit more progressive to actually pick up valuable three points this kind of, this time of the season. So um, definitely be looking for a response from Chelsea and to put a few goals past Southampton and to, to be fair Ralph Hassanuttle's got them playing a bit better recently um, and the change of system has kind of worked so they've been a bit harder to break down obviously kept the clean sheet away at City so it's not as not an easier game on paper as I think people might think it is but that you know that would make it all the more impressive if Chelsea can go and you know hit hit three goals past them I think look at you telling me off there for saying that it's an easy game for Chelsea by saying that it's not as easy on paper um Aaron, one man that has definitely turned uh, opinions about him around in recent weeks. You know, I remember three weeks ago, I think, on this podcast, we were talking about Mikel Arteta and how if Arsenal didn't beat Norwich, he'd probably be down the job centre Monday morning. We fast forward three weeks and he's probably going to win the Manager of the Month award for a brilliant September. We're now into October. Arsenal had a, a tremendous September. I know, obviously, you know, you can kind of look back and go, 1-0 wins over Norwich and Burnley weren't great, but it was that win against Spurs last weekend that, that kind of really tipped the balance in, in Arteta's favour. Um, against Brighton this weekend, they're looking for the fourth league win in a row. And it's just amazing how quickly things turn around in football, isn't it? I mean, even Chelsea, you know, kind of this time last week was all about them as probably Kate Walkins in the title and, and then two defeats and it's like all crisis point. But for Arsenal, they're, they're on a different way, aren't they? They're on a different trajectory and definitely on the up. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, I don't want to bring this up, but we looked at, you know, where Spurs and Arsenal were three weeks ago to where they are now. It's just, you know, it's just how easy and quickly things can change in football. But yeah, you know, the thing is with Arteta, you know, he's, the, there is a there is an idea that you can see what they're trying to do at Arsenal. You know, they've signed so many youngsters, you know, they are in five years, if they can keep them progressing, then they are going to, you know, have a good, you know, squad at their, at their disposal but football's not like that these days and you know Arteta doesn't have that luxury of time and as we were saying you know had he not turned it around against Burnley and Norwich then he, he probably still wouldn't be in the Arsenal job right now so look I mean you know I think he's proven that he, he can he can't do it you know he is a, a capable manager you know he's learned from Pep the performance last week at, at the Emirates was fantastic just what they needed Um the only thing about Arsenal is you just don't know, you know, for how long they're going to keep that up. You know, they always seem to be a club that, you know, self-destruct. And, you know, when you've got the likes of Xhaka playing and stuff, you know, you're never far away from sort of like a crisis or, you know. So, you know, long may it last for them. But, you know, we might be coming back on this podcast in, you know, a month's time saying Arteta's favourite for the sack again. So... <laughs> Yeah, it does have a habit, I think, as well. We were talking on um, one of the ones in midweek about how kind of every six weeks or so we're talking about how Solskjaer as well needs a result and digs one out and then he's all right. And then six weeks again, we're back in the same position. I think I think Arteta's in a similar boat on that one. Um, but as we talked about there, fortunes changing, uh, none more so as well for Tottenham. You know, Mikel Arteta would retout him as a potential manager of the month winner for September. <laughs> the, the reigning manager of the month at the minute for, for August. Uh, Nuno Espirito Santo, Freddie, he's, he's had a dreadful, really, let's be honest, had a dreadful September. You know, Spurs didn't pick up a win in 90 minutes in that month. I know, obviously, you know, they, they beat Wolves, but 
Latina up and then still needed penalties to come through in that tie. They finally, finally, finally got back on the winning trail last night in the Europa Conference League against Ennis Mora, uh, a team who I think were only founded after Harry Redknapp got the sack from the Spurs job. Um, so that's how that's how recent they are as a, or, uh, you know, kind of young they are as a club. Um, but, you know, we, we've spoken about other teams already on this podcast needing wins this weekend, but 100% Spurs and, and Nuno Espirito Santo need one in the Premier League. You know, that that victory over Ennis Moore isn't going to do anything to, to kind of try and keep him in a job. You know, that was expected, the, the manner of the result, the win and everything. This is a game that, that Nuno has to win to, to really get the Spurs fans back on side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it was some important some important goals for Harry Kane last night. He looked like a man who needed them. Um, and... Uh, Oh, he was just so starved of, of service against Arsenal. Obviously, had probably unfortunate not to get a not to get a penalty there, but you know, entirely lacking attacking fluency. So, you know, maybe that that can just inject him with a little bit of confidence. But absolutely, Nuno's under big pressure now. Obviously, um, some of the comments by the uh, supporters group as well. Um, kind of already already demanding change. It's not where you want to be. Um, just as you you know tick over into October, um, and. Yeah, I mean the, the slide. The slide's been pretty pretty dramatic with that with the three 0 defeat by by Palace. Um, really exposed the kind of def- defensive um, deficiencies that have been there for for years. Really, I mean Jose was unable to really plug those gaps and park the bus. And if he's not able to, then then who is really? Um, so and then I mean and there's there's problems all over the pitch and in mid- midfield as well. He doesn't quite know what to do with um with and Dombele, who seems to be uh, just an absolute enigma for for everyone who who manages him like absolute bags of talent but um and it's kind of come in from the cold recently but not to not to such great effect in the premier league at least so there's yeah there's some huge problems which is um such such a surprise given you know when you've got a team spearheaded by harry kane and um son Hung min so uh yeah they absolutely need a result against um, aston villa and it's not going to be easy either because uh, they've they've looked good at times this season, perhaps lacking the consistency they showed last year. But you can trust um, you can trust Emi Martinez to come and make life difficult for you, as he showed last weekend. Um, and they've got some some great players up front, you know, the likes of Watkins and Ings and in midfield as well. So it's going to be a very tricky game, and the pressure will only get get bigger on Nuno. Aaron, just a quick one on the other sides as well that are in uh, European football this season. We've got Leicester and West Ham, you know, obviously, you know, we've got Spurs and then the, the four in the Champions League, but but they're all used to European football. You know, Spurs have been in European competitions, I think, again, for the last 10 years, you know, like my City, Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea, they're always used to it. But Leicester are still pretty young to it. West Ham are definitely back in Europe for the first time. I'm thinking, what is it? A, you know, definitely in European competition proper. We're not talking about qualifying rounds here, sorry. Um, but in that, for I think for the first time in 15 years. So in terms of these sides, and, and you know, it's only October now, so it's probably too early to look into it. But when it comes to, to definitely later on in the season, are these games likely to catch up with, you know, both West Ham and Leicester and, and potentially tie their squads out? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, when you're playing in these sort of lower, you know, European competitions where you're playing like teams, you know, in the middle of nowhere on a Thursday night and then you've got to get back to the Premier League, you know, for an early kick-off Sunday. I mean, I know I've spoken to West Ham fans and they were, you know, baffled by, you know, their lack of squad depth, you know, over the summer. You know, if Mikel Antonio's hamstrings go again, then, you know, they're sort of left very short up front. So it's those type of things that you've got to look out for. And I mean, as you say, you know, these are two clubs who, you know, aren't, you know, they're not experienced in Europe, you know, Leicester, you know, they've tasted Champions League football once or twice, but, 
Um, you know, you can be careful because clubs can have an amazing season going to Europe and then the next season they find that, you know, they're bottom half of the table, you know, you know, because they're sacrificing their league form for, you know, a, a last 16 or a last eight run in the in the European competition. So it's a, it's a hard juggling act to get. And, you know, for clubs like West Ham where you don't have a lot of depth and, you know, you don't have a massive squad capable of doing it, then it can come back to haunt you in the league. Freddie, we've we've spoken quite a lot about you know the big six teams at the top of the Premier League uh, on this podcast, pretty much almost extensively, really. Um, but you look through the fixture list this weekend, and there were actually some interesting ones that almost look like early relegation six pointers. Uh, Wolves at home to Newcastle, Burnley hosting Norwich. All four of those teams, as well as Southampton and Leeds, are all without a win. I think so far in the Premier League this season, I might be wrong there. One of them might have a win, and I uh, know oh, Wolves, of course, last weekend. So I am wrong, of course. Who who would have guessed that that I'm wrong on the podcast? Um, but <laughs> Most of those teams, anyway, that I've listed uh, are struggling, are without a win so far this season. Do you think we're already starting to see a little bit of a separation at the bottom and that, you know, those teams that are down there and especially those five without a win are, are probably going to be down there for most of the season? Yeah, I think the the, the one that leaps out as a, you know, a proper six-pointer is uh, Burnley-Norwich, definitely. Um, I think uh, compared to compared to Watford um, and Brentford, definitely uh, just Norwich have looked just... Uh, just a step below in quality and uh, Pookie yet to find his goal scoring form can't well been um, in and out of the team. So uh, without that kind of talisman who can inspire you to some results as a newly promoted side, you're always up against it. So uh, I think if Norwich aren't going to pick up a point there, then um, at least a point, then they're going to be in real trouble and they'll, they'll be faced with a decision to make really over Daniel Farker's future. So um, at the same time, you know, Burnley, Burnley haven't started quickly and I mean they never do under under Sean Dyche, but you always kind of trust him to pull out of the bag as the season goes on. Um and you just know that, you know, a, a big six team will go there at some point and just, you know, lose one nil thanks to a uh, Chris Wood header. Uh, it's just inevitable. Um so yeah, that's definitely uh, it's one to look out for as a kind of relegation decider already, I think. Um in terms of Wolves, Newcastle, Wolf, it was great to see Wolves get off the, the mark. Well, especially to see Raul Jimenez get off the mark last weekend um, with an absolutely brilliant goal, um, punishing some kind of lax Southampton defending. And that's the quality he's got. And I think the, the general sense is that they do have lots of quality in that squad. Um, you know, with your, your Trincaos, your Adam Atrares. So it was more a case of whether um, Bruno Large can get them get them playing. Um, and, they, you know, their expected numbers were a lot better than the results suggested they should be. So. Um, definitely going to be a tricky one for for Newcastle, but also they've got their own man in form in Alan St. Maximin. So he's the kind of he's the kind of player that you're looking to that Norwich don't have that can inspire you to a result anywhere, really. And I think we'll, we'll see him pop up with some some goals and some assists against whichever opposition this season. Watford have it the same with um, Ismail Assar. So you're just looking to these players to step up on the in those really important games at this point before you lose too many points or slip too far behind and then you're left with uh, no time to make it up really. Aaron, just going back to Leeds uh, at home to Watford this weekend, um, you know, they were the, I don't want to call them surprise package, but they were everyone's uh, favourite second team last year. You know, you kind of always tuned in, watched them and enjoyed watching watching their Leeds games. But, but Aaron, for them this year, they are, they, for whatever reason, it's just not working for them. Is it? Really, there's no other way to kind of put it that that the same style of football, the same style of play. It's almost like everyone's worked it out, and and Watford will be hoping that they can work it out this weekend. Yeah, um, I was at St James's Park last month to watch Leeds and Castle, and it was just looked like two teams that just, you know, 
didn't know how to win the game. You know, it was just, it was end to end, but for all the wrong reasons, really. And I think, you know, they didn't really strengthen massively over the summer leads. And like you say, is it just a case of they've been found out of their style of football? You know, as Freddie touched on there, you know, they have clubs like that, you know, you're looking for that one man. And when you look at, you know, the things that Rafinha can do, he's the type of player that can, you know, turn the game on his head. He was, he was fantastic. You know, when I watched him against Newcastle last month and, it might just take, you know, we need to get packed with Bamford back in form. You know, Jack Harrison needs to find his form. Rafinha needs to keep going. Rodrigo needs to score. You know, it might just be taking them a while. But also, you know, when you look at the Leeds' stats in terms of running, you know, they just run every team off the park. And, you know, last year, Bielsa had such a compact, small squad. You're just wondering, are they maybe getting a little bit burnt out now? You know, 18 months into this, you know, Premier League journey. Is it just starting to catch up with them, you know, on, 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 with such a small squad? Gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's sure to be another busy weekend in the Premier League. Hopefully another entertaining one as well. Uh, of course, you can keep across uh, all the Premier League action uh, by visiting the Mirror website, the Star website, the Express as well. Keep up to date there, uh, as well as with Rich's regional titles. Um, you know, of course, all action and reaction on there throughout the weekend uh, but all that's left for me to say is enjoy any matches that you might be going to uh, but for now it's goodbye <laughs>